not out of habit. Lord, if this was just a habit, we'd have just stayed home today. We'd have looked outside and we'd have seen the weather and the ice and all that. And we'd have said, "Uh uh-uh, no habit worth this trouble. So these people that are here today did not come out of a habit or ritual or because they are religious people. But they came because they wanted to honor the relationship that they have with you. And they've come with a heart that is prepared to receive a word that will change their lives. Father, I made up my mind not long ago that I was not interested in preaching for the sake of stirring people and moving people. Because I don't have the ability in me to do that. And even if I could do it once or twice, Lord, I can't keep it up before the people would discover what a fraud that I am. But Father, when we rely upon your word and the promises of your word and the fact that you said, when my word goes forth, it will never, ever return to me void but shall always accomplish everything that I send it forth to do. When we take confidence in that promise, then we can preach and declare your word and believe, not just hope, not just just please God, let it happen, but know beyond any shadow of a doubt that your word will work transformation in our lives. So, Father, today, as I preach, I'm not preaching my word. I'm preaching yours. And I have every confidence that it will do the work that you're sending it forth to do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Turn to your neighbor, look at him, fist bump him, and say, You, my friend, are a masterpiece. Amen. The great Italian sculptor, painter, architect, and poet, Michelangelo, once said, in every block of marble, I see a statue as though it stood before me, shaped and perfect in attitude and in action. I have only to hew away the rough walls that imprison the lovely apparition to reveal it to the other eyes as mine see it. He once described the process like this. He said, I saw the angel in the marble and carved until I set him free. I love that, don't you? Michelangelo could do this because he didn't see the marble as it was. He saw the marble as it could be when it was fully and completely released. You need to see yourself today in the eyes and in the light of your creator, Jesus Christ. Because you were created for a special purpose. You are a special individual. I know that you may have had difficulties believing that in the past, But I want you to know, and if you don't hear anything else I say today, you need to understand that if God took the time to create you, then you are a masterpiece in his eyes. You are special. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 through 10 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God. 
not a result of the works that you do, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, the Greek word here for workmanship is the Greek word poema, and it's where we get our word poem, and it denotes that there's this creation, and it is a masterpiece. It is a work of art. So what God is saying here through the prophet and the writer of scripture is, is that every individual that I have created is like a divine poem, a masterpiece, a work of art that has been created by the hand of God. Isn't that good news today? I don't care if if I am a Southern Illinois redneck At least I'm a masterpiece of one because I was created in Christ Jesus for the purpose that he has called me to. So wherever you hail from, no matter what your bloodline says you are, no matter what other people have said about you, you have the right and the authority to declare with God today that I was created in Christ Jesus. I am the work of his hand and I am a divine masterpiece. Amen. All right, we got a little shout out of us today, but what does it mean to be a masterpiece? What does it mean? Well, masterpieces, number one, are rare. While there may be replicas, there's only one of the original. There may be copies, but there's only one of the original. You're rare and you are unique. Now, when I discover that I am unique, I'm thankful that I can understand that because knowing that sets me free from trying to be like someone else, to look like someone else, to adopt someone else's skills, calling, purpose, or personality. Now, I don't have anything against these people, but I don't have to preach like T.D. Jakes. And I don't have to dress like Ed Young Jr., although I'd like to have uh, his budget for clothing. I, I, don't have to, I don't have to speak like some of these other preachers and prophets and, 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 and writers. I don't have because God is only going to hold me responsible for what he has called me to do and created me for. So I, it frees me from trying to preach like T.D. Jakes. It frees me from trying to be T.L. Lowry. It frees me from trying to be like Perry Stone. It frees me from being like Joyce Myers. It frees me from all of those people. I can't be like them. I can't preach like them. I can't teach like that because God did not intend me to do so. He has gifted me to be able to communicate in the way that I can communicate so that you can understand. This is going to sound arrogant. It's not meant that way. But listen, when I walked in the building today, I knew that God had already gifted me to get this in your spirit in such a way that you can understand it. It's not because I'm so great, because it, it it is the anointing of God that is upon my life. And just like he's called me to do a particular thing, he has called a you and gifted you and given you the anointing that you need. You're unique. Someone has said, 
You can't rule your realm, realm if you don't realize your reason. Why are you living today? Did you just get up this morning just so you could eat sausage and pancakes and go back to bed? Did you just get up so that you could have two or three cups of coffee and then bless out a few people today? Did you just get up so that you could go make a Ford over at the Ford plant or a stove over at the GE plant or to sell something at your job? Is that the reason that you exist? It may be what you do in your life, but it's not the reason you exist. You exist because God created you to serve as a representative to a lost and dying world and give you a testimony that you can talk about that will be transformational in someone else's life. But you can't rule your realm unless you realize your reason for living. And then a masterpiece is named and known. Think about Abraham. Abraham's name meant the father of many. Joshua means Yahweh is my salvation. Jacob's name wasn't good enough for him. So God changed it to Israel. When Saul was living in rebellion, he was known as Saul. But when he came into Christ, he was known as Paul. Jesus looked at Peter one day and he said, you won't always be called Simon, but you're going to be called Peter, which is the rock, the foundation. I'm going to change your name so that it better fits the calling and the destiny that I have on your life. A masterpiece is rarely known simply by its own name, but it is attached to the one who made it. Have you ever heard of a piece of music called Messiah? If you have, you probably know that it is Handel's Messiah. If you've ever heard the Fifth Symphony, you probably know that it is Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. If you've ever looked at the statue David, then you know that it is Michelangelo's David. And if you've ever viewed the painting Sunflowers, you know that it is Monet's Sunflowers. You don't just say the name of the masterpiece, but you say the name of the creator. Amen. So if you are God's masterpiece then you're not just simply a masterpiece, but you are God's masterpiece. You are God's Joe, and you are God's Priscilla, and you are God's Erlene, and you are God's Kim, and you are God's Lee, and you are God's Joanna, and you are God's Ima. You're not just an ordinary somebody, but you are God's masterpiece placed in this world for a purpose and for a reason. You say, well, thank you for that, Pastor, but I don't really feel like a masterpiece. I knew you were going to say that. I'm ready for you. You will feel like a masterpiece when you function like the masterpiece that you were destined to be. And here's the problem that so many people have. They think that something has to happen before they can start walking by faith and when they know what they've been called to be. No, you walk by faith first and then you will begin to realize, hey, this thing that God said would work, it really does work. 
This word that I'm speaking, it really is anointed. This song that I'm singing, it really is anointed by his hand. God is using me just like he said he would. There's an old song we used to sing years ago that says, I don't know what you came to do. Why? Because you don't know. You don't have a clue why you came. It's just expected to me. It's just expected that I come. It's just expected that I read the Bible. It's just expected that I give my tithe. It's just expected that I this, that, and that. If that's the reason you're doing everything, you're never going to rule your realm. But when you realize that God has called me to do these things supernaturally, then you will realize one day, I do feel like a masterpiece. And it's not because of me, but it is because of the Spirit of God that is living and alive within me. John 17 and verse 4 said, I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Who's saying that? Jesus is saying that. He said, Father, I gave glory to you by doing what you sent me here to do. I did it. I completed it. On the cross, he declared, it is finished. And he said, because I did what you had called me to do and destined me to do, I brought glory to your name. Can you imagine what this world would be like if Jesus had not been faithful to his destiny? If Jesus had not done what the Father sent him to do. If Jesus had not spoken the words that he heard the Father saying to him. If Jesus in that moment of weakness in the Garden of Gethsemane. When he said, Father, if there be any other way for this to be accomplished. If he had stopped right there and fallen over on the ground and quit and failed your life and my life life would be very different today. But thank God Jesus didn't stop. Thank God he didn't fail. Even though it was hard and difficult and he had hoped that there might be another way, he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And because of his resolve to be the man that God had sent him to be, the world is forever changed. You say, well, yeah, but pastor, that's Jesus, you know, and I ain't like Jesus. Well, you can get like Jesus. He put his spirit in you. He lives in you. He's not some God just spooking around out there in the, in the sky somewhere. He's in you. He placed his spirit in you. Every word that you speak can be anointed by his spirit. Every action that you do can be anointed by him. Everything that you think can be under the control of the spirit of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he is building in you his divine nature. You don't believe me, look at John chapter 21, verses 15 through 19. Jesus and Peter decide to have this conversation, and Jesus says, it says, and when they finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, oh, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. 
And he said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. And you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And he didn't stop there, but he went on and he said, truly, truly, I say to you, that when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you were old, and that word means when you were mature, when you have come to a place of the manifest presence and reason and purpose of God in your life, then someone else will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Should I stop reading right there? Would you like for me to stop right there? Nope, not going to do it. Because he goes on and he said, uh, the word says, this he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And it still doesn't stop. After having all this information, Jesus looks at Peter and he says to him, follow me. This is your destiny, Peter. This is what your life's going to look like. I'm going to ask you to feed my people, to oversee them, to lead them, to direct them in the path that I have for them. And when you're young, it's totally different. When you're young in your faith, you're going to take care of yourself, dress yourself. You know, everything will be done, but there's coming a day when people are going to effect change in your life that will bring about suffering for my sake. Just know this, that is the reason that you are here. You are going to die. You are going to die in this manner. Now you have a choice. You can either follow me or you can run the other direction. I just came to tell you today, serving the Lord isn't always easy. Sometimes you have to die to yourself in order to serve him and bring glory to his name. So what I want you to know today is if you're a masterpiece, you have to operate and function in the anointing and the calling that God has created for you. And here's the good news. You don't have to create your own destiny. You don't have to create your own pathway. Did you ever think about the fact that no statue ever had to carve itself? No painting ever had to put the strokes on its own canvas. No song ever had to compose itself. No poem ever had to write itself. A refrigerator does not decide to refrigerate and a stove does not decide to create heat. They do so because someone created them to refrigerate and to heat. Can you imagine if a refrigerator woke up one day and decided, I don't want to refrigerate anymore. I want to heat today. All of your food would go bad. All of it would get botulism in it. You'd eat it, throw up all over everybody and possibly die. All because a refrigerator had a mind of its own and decided, I don't want to function as I was created. I want to function in my own 
own way. I want to function and do my own thing. Listen, God created you for a purpose. And unless you work and walk and act in that purpose, somebody is going to suffer some consequences in your life, in their life, because God has put you in their life to transform them. God creates your destiny. It's the same for you. Your job is is to walk in his plan for your life. To let him reveal it in you. Let me tell you, when I first started years ago in ministry, I had my own idea and my own limits of what I would do for God. You've heard me tell the story. When I first started, I was just going to be a minister of music. That's all I wanted to do. I bargained with God. I thought I cut him a pretty good deal. But it wasn't God's deal. And I did that for about six years. And finally, God just kept on prodding me and prodding me and prodding me until I finally saw his plan for my life and was willing to say, okay, God, I really didn't want to do this. I really didn't want my life to look like this. But God, I know that if I don't do and function in your calling, I'm going to be miserable till the last day of my life. And it's been hard some days. It's been difficult some days. There were days that I knew that unless God came through, there's no way that victory would prevail. But I'm here to tell you after 30 plus years of walking and functioning in his calling for my life, that God has been faithful to me. And he will continue to be faithful to those who function and walk in him. His purpose. Your purpose is not a choice to make. Instead, it is a reality to discover. Your purpose is not a choice to make. Instead, it is a reality to discover. Isaiah chapter 46 verses 8 through 10 says, Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to your mind. You transgressors, remember the former things of old. For I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, the things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish All my purpose. Now over the last several weeks and months you've been hearing me say this. That God is the one who knows the end from the beginning. What does that mean in practical terms? How how can we wrap our minds around that? How many of you, let me see your hands. How many of you work at Ford on the assembly line? Can I see your hands? Anyone here? All right, there's some. How many of you have worked or work at GE on the assembly lines? Can I see your hands? Yep. And those of you who may have worked in another place on an assembly line, you know how that functions? You know how that works? It works like this. Somebody in the higher-ups start thinking about, okay, we need to make a Ford truck. And that truck needs to look like this. If we're going to be able to sell this truck to today's world and society, it's going to have to look like this. It's going to have to function like this. 
It's going to be, have to be able to get this kind of gas mileage. It's going to be able to have to pull this kind of payload. It's going to have to do this, 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 and this. And then for the girls who are going to be driving it, it needs to have a really good Bluetooth system in it. Amen? And it needs to have this and that and whatever. And they put all these plans on paper, and then they get it to the engineers. And then the engineers say, this is doable. We can do this. We can draw this up. We can make this happen. And they put it all together. They engineer it. If this is going to work properly, the brakes need to be set right at this milla, whatever. You know, it's got to be right here so that when it functions and somebody puts the brake on, it will come together and not just hit the drum in any place, but it will hit it perfectly. It has to be exactly where it needs to be in order to function properly. Then the engineers draw it all up. And then they go to the people and they say, okay, now we have to make this assembly line and create it so that as it's coming down the line, this group of people is going to put this on the chassis. And this group of people is going to do this. And this group of people is going to do this. And this group of people is going to function in this job and calling. And all down the line, everybody has to function in the job and the calling that their employer is asking them to do. And if you don't do it, guess what? The Ford truck falls apart on the Gene Snyder and somebody drives by and says, Ford means fix or repair daily. Or have you ever heard this one? Found on the road dead. But listen, when everybody functions in what they have been asked to do, If this person tries to do the same thing that this person is doing, the action will be duplicated and it will not bring value to the car. So you've got to do what you've been asked to do and you've got to do what you've been asked to do and you've got to do what you've been asked to do. And then those people on the assembly of line say, I can't build a truck or I can't build a refrigerator unless you bring me some parts to do it with. And so they get on the phone and they say, let's get the parts. They need to be in such and such place. They need to be so that the worker can reach over, grab it, put it on the truck, put it on the refrigerator. If it's not there, when it comes time for that part to be needed, then production will stop and we will not be able to make a Ford truck or to make a GE refrigerator unless the parts are there. So somebody has the responsibility of putting the parts where they need to be. Now I could keep going with this illustration, but you understand that everybody has a job. Everyone has a purpose. Everyone has been asked to fulfill their job in the manner that they've been asked to do it. No freelancing, no making it up as you go, no questioning the engineer and saying, I think this might be a better way to make this Ford, but instead saying this is the way this product is to be made. And what happens is, is that when everybody does their work and everybody fulfills their calling, when the Ford is driven out, of the assembly line somebody has a truck uh, that is going to run effectively and do the job that it's been called to do and everyone will be happy it's the same way in our lives 
if we don't stop trying to freelance what God has called us to do. Instead, just find what it is that God has called us to do in the church and start doing it. Not all of you are called to sing up here. And man, didn't they sing good today? I'm telling you, I loved it. Not God hasn't called all of you to teach a class. God hasn't called all of you to do whatever. But whatever God has called you to do, the church will only function properly when you do what God has called you to do. I read this week, someone wrote one of the big name pastors. He said, when a pastor does what the people should do, everyone suffers. Think about it. If as a pastor, if I just say, I'll just do it. Don't worry about it. I'll just do it. Number one, I can't do it the way God called you to do it. And if I do it for you, you're going to miss out on the blessing. God's not going to be able to anoint you. God's not going to be able to bless you. It's like I told you the story about the little lady years ago that came up and gave me $20 and said, Lord, I want to, or, or Pastor, I want to bless you with this $20. I knew she didn't have $20. I knew she was barely getting by, but she came and put it in my hands. Uh, and I took the $20 and I said, please don't give this to me. I said, let me give it back to you. I don't, I don't need it. I don't want it. I, I want you to have it. And she looked at me and she said, you're going to take that $20 because God told me to give it to you. And if I don't do it, I'm going to miss my blessing and I want to be blessed. And I took that $20 and I put it in my pocket and felt about this tall until the Lord said, that's the way I'm able to bless people. When it seems like it makes no sense whatsoever, but they function in the calling that I've called them to, I then will be able to bless them appropriately. Ephesians 1 verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. How many spiritual blessings? Everyone he has blessed us with. And then he told Peter to say, remind my people that I have given them everything that pertains to life and godliness. Let me tell you, if God's called you to it, he's going to provide everything you need to get the work done. Can you give him praise? Amen. Now, we've established that. I need to tell you one more thing. With destiny comes dominion. With destiny comes dominion. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. Then God said, who said? God said, let us make men in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, and over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created him male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful 
and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. Now, I want to stop just long enough to say God didn't stop right there. He didn't give them a blank check. I'm going to get to that in just a minute. But he said, have dominion, and then he defined the, the perimeters and the boundaries of their realm to have dominion over. He said, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, theologians refer to this passage as the initiation of what is called the Dominion Covenant, which says that God placed mankind, that's you and that's me, to serve as his stewards in this earth. In other words, and we talked about this several months ago, whatever you have in your possession is not yours. Whatever realm that you're operating in is not your realm. You may be assigned to it, but it is not yours to possess. It is God's realm, and everything that you own belongs to God. And if you don't believe me, trust me, he can take it away from you anytime he wants to and put it in someone else's hands that will use it for his glory. If you don't believe me, just ask the boys in the New Testament that buried the gift in the ground. The ones who were successful, God gave them more to use for his glory. And the ones that wouldn't use it properly, he took it away from them and put it in the hands of those who would use it faithfully. So we have been called and placed on this earth to serve as his stewards over his creation. The psalmist in chapter 8 verses 3 through 8, he said it like this. He said, Lord, when I look at your heavens and the work of your fingers and the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is man? That you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him. Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. And you have given him dominion over the works of your hands and you have put all things under his feet. Now, stay with me. He didn't stop right there. If he'd have stopped right there. We could have just done anything we wanted to do anytime, anywhere, anyhow. But he put a boundary on their dominion. And he said, you've given him dominion over all sheep and oxen, also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea, and whatever passes along the paths of the seas. Now, let me explain to you what what I'm saying here. Whatever God has called you to do, he gives you everything that you need to do it. But he also gives you the authority to do it with. But God will not give you the provision or the authority to rule someone else's realm. So so as we would say in these days, get out of my business. Don't be trying to do what God's called me to do. And I shouldn't be trying to do what God called you to do. And yet when I do what I'm called to do and you do what you're called to do, it all works together in unison and looks, smells, and tastes beautiful. Because God knew. That's the reason that churches are not built around the personality of a pastor. 
That is why churches should never be built with this consumer mentality. Well, I'll go to this church because I really like their music or I really like their pastor or they really have a great youth program or they really do this or they really do that. That's a consumer mentality that is hurting the church. Instead, we should be saying, God, where do you need me and want me to be so that when I contribute the anointing that is upon my life, the church will function like a well-geared and well-oiled clock. God, when I go to that church, things are going to change for the positive because I'm going to step in and function in the calling that you have called me to. And when we all work together, how happy will be. Come help me quit if you will. Adam and Eve had a specific divinely foreordained purpose to fulfill. Their dominion extended to the boundary of their destiny. Everything God asked them to do, they were empowered to do it. Everything God asked them to do, they were equipped to do it. Can I just stop long enough to say something right now? There's some of you that you are so talented. You are so anointed. And yet if you don't change the way you're walking in Christ, you're going to leave this world unfulfilled because you're not using the gifts and the anointings that God has blessed you with. If God has called you to sing, you better be singing. If God has called you to preach, you better be preaching. If God has called you to pray, you better be praying. Whatever God has called you to, you better be doing it. You're going to come to the end of your life and you're going to have nothing but regret. Listen, when I found out that God called me to preach, I didn't have to have an invitation. I didn't have to have some preacher invite me to come fill his his pulpit. I preached everywhere I could to anybody who would listen. Let me tell you something about Jesus. I I don't know if you remember this, but back in the olden days, you used to see preachers downtown out on the corners of the downtown area. They'd be standing on the corner and they'd be declaring, thus saith the Lord. And people would go by and spit in their face call them all kinds of names and they just wipe the spit off their face and keep declaring the good things of God. Tell you something, doing what God's called you to do isn't always easy and it's seldom popular, but it's the only thing that's going to allow you one of these days to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. He's not going to say you had a really pretty house. I'm proud of you. Boy, that gold-plated Cadillac you drove, man, that was awesome. Some of us are going to die with so much money in the bank and think God's going to be proud of us. And when we stand before him, he's going to say, why did you let it die in the bank when you could have used it to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ? You can't take it with you. It's like Gene Rice used to say, I want to do my giving while I'm living. So I'll know where it's going. That's right. Whatever God's called you and gifted you to do, you better get on it. 
This church will never be what it needs to be because of me. This church will only be what God wants it to be when we all operate and function in our anointing. I'll close with these two things, these two thoughts. First, our authority is an extension of his authority. I'm going to make some of you mad right now. It's all right. Hopefully you'll forgive me. This idea that we have the ability to just go around calling whatever we want to call into existence is not scriptural. The scripture says that he is the God who calls those things that are not as though they were. What we have the authority to call into into existence is those things that we need that will assist us in fulfilling what he has called us to do. I can't call something in that will negatively affect you or negatively affect you. I can't call you to serve the Lord if you don't want to do it. I can't get on my knees and say, God, my kid's going to serve you or if it's it's the last thing that they do or I'll kill them because it doesn't operate that way. They have the choice to accept Christ or not and you can't force the issue. So you can't just go around calling things into existence that are not within the realm of your authority. Your authority only extends to the authority of your calling. But number two, if I rule my realm according to God's intentions, I will receive all of God's provision that I need to fulfill it. Isn't that good news? Whatever we need here at 6901 Outer Loop to fulfill what God has called us to fulfill, He will provide it. He's not going to bless us with Highview Baptist blessing because He hasn't asked us to do what Highview Baptist is doing. He's not going to give us Solid Rock's provision because He hasn't asked us to do what Solid Rock is doing around the corner. But He has called us And he has anointed us. And if we'll function in that anointing, we'll never, say never, never, ever, say ever, say never, ever, say never, ever, ever, have lack in our life when we're walking and functioning in his will for our life. Amen. Father, the seed is in the ground now. And now we just wait on you to bring the harvest. There are men and women in this house today that they have been confronted by the word of the Lord. There are men and women in this house today who have not been functioning in the calling that you've placed upon their life. And Lord, I say this with all the love that I can say it with, but it's nobody's fault but their own. I can't make them, and you won't make them. But all you do is say, look, I have blessed you. I've anointed you. I have gifted you. And if you will set aside your feelings long enough, to by faith function in the role that I've called you to, your life will be transformed from this day forward. 
Thank you for that word, Lord. Will you stand with me this morning and let's spend just a few moments in worship.